I'll tell you what, for as much chaos as kids can bring into our world, there is certainly some joy, isn't there? Uh, amazing joy, especially when they're first born. I mean, if you've been a parent or an auntie or an uncle, especially a grandparent now, you're just seeing it a second time around. Boy, there's so much joy that brings. Uh, if you've had a child, if you've adopted a child, this rush of emotions, especially when you meet your child for the very first time. Uh, the very first time you get thrown up on, that's special too. Uh, first time you get peed on, that's kind of cool. Uh, but then also when they call you mommy or daddy for the first time, Man, that's cool. Uh, we had three kids, and we thought that we were done. And for about three or four years, we just couldn't stop talking about it. And so we just decided that maybe we should have one more. And so Paxton was born four years ago. Here's a picture from us in the hospital. Uh, and this is Paxton. And then you got the other three. And I love that the other three were able to partake in that moment. Uh, little did they know how much grief he would cause them later, but that's beside the point. Um, but there's excitement and there's joy when a baby is born. And it's with that same excitement that all the world was waiting for love to arrive that would change everything as they knew it. In fact, all over the world today, in over 2,000 languages, millions upon millions of people are celebrating the birth of a Jewish baby. The baby that we believe is the Son of God. And throughout this whole month here at Riverway, we have been looking at what comes with the arrival of Christmas. And tonight we wrap it all up with the arrival of love. The arrival of love. And Christmas Eve is special. It's one of my favorite services in the entire year. And in part because we get to sing these wonderful carols like we just sang with such rich lyrics and such deep theology in some of them. Um, But one of those songs that we're actually going to end this service with is the song called Away in a Manger. And you might you know, at first glance, pass this off as a song or a carol for kids. But the lyrics are actually quite moving. And uh, this song appeared for the very first time in a Lutheran hymnal in 1885. And it starts this way. It says, Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. And what many people miss in this carol is this all-important word, Lord. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. Because while he would come as a baby, he certainly would not stay that way. And this baby grew up and became a man and he became a man that, not, that didn't keep us from our sins, but was willing to save us from our sin. By taking all of our sin to the cross, what an arrival of love that Christmas would bring to us. It's interesting to know that, that Jesus is referenced as Lord more than 740 times in the New Testament. And we read about one of these times in Luke chapter 2 when the angel is announcing the birth of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it reads like this. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the, what's that word? Lord. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
You see, Jesus wasn't just coming as a baby. No, 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 no. He was coming as Lord. And the truth is, is that for some of us, we like the idea of Jesus being a Christmas baby in the manger so that we can kind of go through the motions, but we aren't quite sure about how we feel about him being Lord. That's kind of a big word, isn't it? And uh, maybe we don't even know how to define it, but in the Greek word for Lord is actually this. It actually means supreme authority or controller. Supreme authority or controller. Now, if we're honest, we don't really like the word controller, do we? Unless someone is handing you the TV remote controller, right? Uh, We don't like this word controller when you think about someone maybe being over us. And the problem is, is that if Jesus is supposed to be the controller, he has some serious competition in you and me. Because we don't really like to be controlled. We, in fact, we don't even like supreme authority. We don't like authority over us all that much. Uh, in fa- it might be different for you at your house, but sometimes my kids don't always like to obey. I know it's different for you guys. Uh, my kids tend to ha- uh, be a little bit stubborn and like to do their own thing and like to push and push and push and push until we finally just like give in out of sheer exhaustion, right? Uh, but there will be many times that our kids will press, and I've said to this from the time they were little, sorry, you aren't running the show, you know? <laughs> you aren't running the show. Mom and dad are running the show, and so this is how it's going to be. Uh, and as simple as that might seem as an answer to kids, as adults, we kind of feel the same way about our own life, don't we? When it comes to God, we kind of like to run our own show. We kind of like being our own Lord, making our own decisions. And in fact, for some of us, we'd rather leave Jesus in a manger and leave the leading of our lives up to us. But here's the problem with that. That if you leave Jesus in a manger, you can't live in all the arrival of Christmas has to offer. You don't know. I mean, if you leave in the manger, you can't know the hope and the peace and the joy and love that he can sustain you with. You can't know the close relationship that he wants to have with you. You can't receive the forgiveness of all the things that you've done in your past that he's freely offering with no strings attached. You can't experience the life change that his love promises to bring us. But here's the good news. The same good news that was given to the shepherds on the field that night more than 2,000 years ago, the good news is that if we're willing to take him out of the manger this Christmas and make him the Lord over our life, so much can change. And so it begs the question, how do you experience this? Well, you can take him out of the manger by receiving his love for you. Not trying to earn it, not trying to jump through hoops. Just receive it. To say, Jesus, I believe you came for me and you love me. And you know me. And then in response to that love, choosing to surrender your whole life over to him, to let him be the controller or Lord of your life. You see, the truth is you really can't make him Lord. You can only simply surrender to what already is. God made Jesus Lord. Whether you choose him in that role for your life or not, he is. But if you're willing to take him out of a manger, 
He will be the controller of your life, the leader of your life, your savior, your friend, and so much more. You see, at the end of this carol that we've sung probably hundreds and hundreds of times, the stanza at the very end gives this prayer, Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. And there are many people that want God to be near. The truth is sometimes as adults, we only want him to be near when our back is up against the wall and we feel like we're out of controlling the situation. We're out of options for controlling our life and so that's when sometimes we offer up a shotgun prayer and just hope that somehow God will come through because we want him to be near in those moments, don't we? But this verse of this carol spells out the only way that Jesus can be near to us. And it's by asking him. From our heart, you see, he's not going to force his way into your life. He only comes into the heart of those that want to receive him and invite him in. And that's why it begins with this request, be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay. It's only when we invite him to be near to us that he can be near to us. And not only can he be near, but he wants to be near to you. Regardless of how you might feel in this season or what you've done wrong or how long you've been gone, I can assure you that God wants to be near you because he loves you more than you could ever imagine. And we invite him to be the leader of our life every day, to acknowledge him in all of our ways, in all of our relationships, and how we spend our time, and how we make our decisions. It's all about putting him first in our lives. About 16 years ago, maybe 16 years and a month ago, I brought my girlfriend Tara to the Guthrie Theater to see The Christmas Carol. Has anyone ever seen The Christmas Carol at the Guthrie, right? Fabulous production. It's one of my favorites. I love going. And so Tara and I went, and I bought her front row seats. She was pretty impressed. Let me tell you by that, she was pretty impressed. And I wanted to make a good impression, truth be told, because what she didn't know is that I had arranged with the Guthrie Theater to pull off an elaborate engagement after the show. And so while everyone was leaving, the show was over, the usher that him and I wink, wink, he came down and he was waiting for us to leave. And I just happened to ask, hey, do they ever give out backstage tours or anything? And he's like, I don't know, let me check. And he disappeared for about 10 minutes while everything cleared out. And Tara's pulling on my jacket saying, Ryan, this is stupid. We need to leave right now. We are not taking a backstage tour of this place. I said, honey, this would be fun if they let us. No, this is so dumb. We get her, you know. And so finally came back and said, hey, we don't ever do this. But they said, yeah, so come on. I'm going to take you on a little tour. And I'm like, what do you know? And she's like, this is so dumb, you know. And so we go backstage. And while we're taking this backstage tour, she didn't know that my brothers and her sisters had shown up and on stage put flowers in a gift box. And at the end of the tour, he brought us out to center stage where I walked out with her, got on one knee, and asked her if she would marry me. She said yes. I know some of you are waiting. Is, is he married to someone else? No, this is the one. Yep. Um, she said yes. And I gave her a ring that night. And 
I'm wondering if you know this. When I bought that ring, how much did it cost me? Everything I had at the time. Everything, everything I had at the time. And how much did that ring cost her? Nothing. Nothing. How much did it cost her once she said yes? Probably more than she wanted to pay. (laughs) But it cost her everything. Why? Because in that moment, it meant that I would belong to her and she would belong to me. And 15 years later, we still belong to each other. And in the same way, God has offered you a gift this Christmas that has cost him everything. Could you imagine sending your only son, your only child, to die one of the most gruesome deaths ever recorded in history, to take the weight of the sin of the world upon his shoulders? You see, it costs God everything. And in that moment, it cost us nothing until we choose to receive it. And once we choose to receive him as the Lord of our life, it costs us everything. Everything. It's our whole life returned back to him. Romans 5.8 says it this way. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Can we read that out loud together? Let's do that. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And it's this arrival of love that humanity was certainly surprised by. A love that knows no bounds, a grace that knows no sin, is no match for any sin or mistake that we would make. A love that is poured out freely to us and that we get to respond back to him with. And I tell you what, when you choose to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it is the hardest yet most satisfying decision that you'll ever make in your entire life. And in those spaces in your life that we so often try to fill with our own, in our own choices, our own ways, God comes in and fills that place. Author and speaker Lisa Tierkirst said it this way. She said, most of us spend years chasing things that we think will make us feel loved. But everything this world has to offer is temporary. Everything. The kind of love our souls crave is lasting and eternal. And only God can fill us with that kind of love. And it's the truth. There's nothing else that could fill our hearts with that kind of love that we instinctively crave because he created us to crave his love. And so maybe this Christmas, you would be ready to receive this arrival of love that Jesus brings and make him the Lord of your life. The controller, the leader, the savior, a friend. Maybe you've never made that kind of decision or maybe it's been a really long time. And you're ready to make that kind of decision. And if you're in that spot, I just want to invite you to say a simple prayer with me. And so would you mind just closing your eyes all over this room? And if you're in that spot tonight and and you're saying, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to make him the Lord of my life, the leader of my life. 
to receive his forgiveness. Just from right where you're at, you can just whisper this kind of prayer that just says, dear Jesus, I receive you as the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me, to make me your son, your daughter. Thank you for loving me. Now lead my life, I pray. I want to follow you. I give my whole life to you. In Jesus' name. And Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your son to this earth so that we could know what the arrival of love is truly all about. Thank you for finding us when we were lost. Thank you for reminding us that we've never lived an unloved day, that your eyes have always been on us. Thank you for accepting us just as we are without any hoops to jump through. And we thank you that this is the true meaning of Christmas. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.